talking about like, should I do channel X or channel Y? This is not my thing to be clear. This is a Dan Kennedy thing, kind of one of like the OG, you know, direct marketer guys, but he's like every form of media works if you do enough of it. So like I've, I'd use this as a kind of an example when I talk to clients sometimes, if we bought every single billboard in the United States of America and we said book, you know, my vacation rental at this website or something like that, or we put a phone number on there, it would work. We would get some level of response from that marketing initiative. That's dumb. Like it makes no sense. We'd have to spend so much money to potentially get the amount of return we get. It would make no sense. So the question is not does channel XYZ work? It's how well does it work? Welcome to Mastering Vacation Rental Marketing, a special behind-the-stays podcast series brought to you in collaboration with my friend, Conrad O'Connell, founder and CEO of Build Up Bookings, one of the most respected marketing agencies for vacation rental managers and hospitality entrepreneurs. Conrad just published an incredible book called Mastering Vacation Rental Marketing, which serves as a strategic guide designed for vacation rental managers, hosts, and STR professionals eager to scale their businesses without becoming overly reliant on OTAs like Airbnb, Verbo, or Booking.com. Over the next three weeks, you'll get a sneak peek into the frameworks, case studies, strategies, and data that Conrad shares in his book. If you'd like to purchase the book, you can do so via the Amazon link below. Or if you'd like a digital copy of the book, Conrad is offering a free digital version to all Behind the Stays listeners. You can also find the link to download this digital copy of the book in the show notes below. All right, folks, without further ado, get ready to learn from and be inspired by Conrad, one of the best marketers in the entire industry. All right, Conrad, we are we're live, man. And this is this is something really special. Like we don't get to do this all the time on the Behind the Saves podcast. Every once in a while, we get to partner with a great organization like Build Up Bookings to do a, a special series, sort of like a, a deep dive into a topic. Lots of times we bring on guests, they talk for 45 minutes, an hour on, you know, some new build that they've worked on or some new approach to uh, STR management that they've that they've owned and developed, but we rarely get to go really deep on a particular topic. And so I'm really excited because over the next few episodes here, we're going to go really deep on all things marketing and how to think through marketing strategy for your vacation rental business, what new tools and techniques and strategies are working today and why. And you are are about, you've actually just released this incredible book that folks can download on mastering vacation rental marketing. And we're going to I guess unpack some of some of the highlights of that book over these next few episodes. So first and foremost, Conrad, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be back. This is I think the we had a previous episode that we did together and the yeah, this it's been a while since we've chatted, so we were catching up before we hit record and it seems like you've been busy and I've been busy, so great to reconnect. Yes, likewise. And I I want to just dive in here. So you have written this book and I I guess I wanted to first and foremost just ask like why? Like there's a, there's a lot of books out there, right? There's a lot of books on marketing out there. There's there's a lot of podcasts out there on marketing and short-term rentals and vacation rentals and whatnot. So what what opportunity did you see in this space that that inspired you to to create spend all this time creating this 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 work to to help the industry? What what was the impetus behind it? Yeah, I think that one one motivation that I had was just 
I think you can learn a lot by trying to teach something kind of. And like as we've grown and we've got more clients on our side of the ledger, that's been great. And I've also realized the limits of my own time and my own information. So over the past year and really this year, it's been a lot of like teaching people on my team a lot more detail about strategically how to think about things, not just like, oh, you know, person on my team, you're great at email marketing or oh, person on my team, you know how to manage PPC account, but like kind of coming backwards a little bit and saying yeah. like, okay, what is this client actually trying to achieve? What assets or resources do they have at their disposal? And are we using what they have to the best of like our marketing ability, right? It's trying to be a little bit less like transactional. We're just the agency that does one thing for you and trying to think a little bit, you know, broader there. But I didn't really have one place that I could really point people to mm. um, either prospective clients or even people on my team where like, here's my, I guess, philosophy, or here's the things that I think will be true for a long period of time. So, yeah. and, and a lot of the books that you're referencing, I think I've seen are like, here's a little hack, here's a little tip, here's yeah. a little trick and stuff. And that's fine. I'm not opposed to any of those types of ways of thinking. I like a good hack and trick and way of thinking of figuring out something as much as anybody to be clear, but that wasn't what I was trying to do. I was trying to think of things that were going to stand, I guess, for a longer period of time. Yeah. And so that was kind of where the idea originally came from was these are things that I hope are not going to change in the next five years. Sure. The platforms could change the techniques and tactics on those platforms might even change to some degree, but these like core principles, I, I think I'm trying to think of things that are going to be around for a long time. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you have spent the time putting uh, all this effort in, into this book, into this book, because as you look at the landscape, right, there are a number of offerings out there. I feel, I feel like the content in like the short term rental vacation rental space is just like exploded in, in recent years, which, which I think is great, right. But I don't I don't think that there's like a comprehensive marketing resource out there, right? Like you see, you see lots of great content and, and books around scaling inventory, right? Or you see lots of great content and books around uh, how to how to be a better host, right? How to how to manage a larger portfolio, how to you know uh, think through your your tech stack, right? And and all that all that stuff is great, but but there's there isn't like a a, a comprehensive like marketing resource out there, at least at least that I've stumbled upon that I think is good. So I, I remember the conversation we had uh, probably a year ago. Uh, and some change now, and I, I remember being so impressed by how you thought about marketing, your 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 level of detail and knowledge around around platforms, right? Whether it was paid search, whether it was social, whether it was whether it was SEO. SEO is not talked about nearly enough in the space, and so. I think that what you've done here is is just a masterful uh, a resource that that many folks are going to benefit from. And so, what I'm hoping to do over these next few conversations is really sort of unpack some of the highlights of the book. Don't want to give away all the gold because we do want people to go uh, access the book. It is free. Is that correct? It's it, it it'll yeah, be well, free to download. Yeah, there'll be like a digital copy that people can download for free. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I obviously want a lot of people to check it out. And so, the digital copy, I'm always happy to give kind of you know better you know, uh, access to, uh, the physical copy, I think will make a little, you know, a small price point certainly won't be prohibitive for people to pick it up. Um, you know, it depends on where it's, everything lands out as far as printing and shipping costs and things like that. But I do believe actually that reading a book like physical hard copy, yeah. you do get something different out of it. And there's 100%. like some studies and stuff that back that up. So I have, you can't see cause that's blurred, but like behind me, I have like bookshelves and those have actually been added to a lot over the years. And um, it's not like meant to look cool in a Zoom background. Like I try to read as much as I can on those shelves because I do think it's nice also to like disconnect. So anyways, philosophically to your question, <laughs> yeah, digital copy, email me. I'm happy to you know send one over. I think we'll, we can put special links and things like that in the show notes for folks. Yep. But yeah, if a uh, physical copy is going to be 15, 20 bucks, something like that. And I think as someone asked me about it because um, we're doing another giveaway for a different presentation and they said, what's it worth? And I'm like, well, I guess it's objectively worth $20 if you compare it in that way. But I'm like, I'm hoping the knowledge inside of it can be <laughs> worth many millions of dollars <laughs> if applied properly. <laughs> and you do it the right way. So. Uh, I love it. I love it. So as you as you put this book together, did you have a particular persona in mind, right? Uh, to use some some marketing lingo here, like who were you writing the book for? 
Yeah, it, it, I would argue it is mostly made for the vacation rental manager, but but I would also argue the single property host or multi-property host, those are kind of the three buckets that we internally classify people as, as like single property host, multi-property host, or vacation rental manager. Um, there's ways that you can slice that up further with regards to like urban market, leisure market, and so on. But it really is kind of more so meant for that vacation rental manager, to be completely honest. That being said, I still think that a multi-property host or a single property host could get a lot of value out of the book. In fact, the way that we constructed the book was based on um, the original outline of the book came from this list that I, this list that I'd worked on called a tiers list, hmm. where basically there's a horizontal focus, which yeah. is kind of like what stage of the business that you're at. So we have these bands that we talk about in the book where like you're entering the ring, you're like a new maybe manager or a new host, you have one property or two properties. And we that's kind of like maybe you're doing one, $200,000 a year or less in gross bookings. So that's kind of like the base band. And then as you go up the band, it's kind of growing as you grow properties, as you grow revenue. Obviously, those things aren't always perfectly correlated. We have a client that has two listings that does over a million dollars a year of gross booking revenue. Wow. We have a client that does has 30 listings that does less than half of that, right? Because they're all very inexpensive condos. So the number of listings, of course, doesn't always correlate to the amount of revenue. But generally speaking, you know, we kind of have these bands that we we built out horizontally. And then vertically, what's going across this tiers list that I generated was all the different channels that you might want to focus on or the kind of areas of marketing that might impact what you're trying to achieve. So like we talk about brand marketing, we talk about SEO, we talk about paid search to your point, we talk about email marketing, social media, homeowner marketing, we talk about these different things. And then what, what I found, unfortunately, at times is that people try to go too far up the band, like they're trying to perfect SEO hmm. when they're at this very low level of revenue. Yeah. And that's actually a waste of their time. What they probably should be doing is like getting the basics done and then moving on to the next thing, horizontally speaking, and then get the foundation laid properly before they move on to more advanced tactics. So that was the way that I thought about the book. I don't know if that makes any sense at all to the listener, but at least that's the way I thought about it. And I think the final product, it, it came together in a way that I think makes sense, even if that all seems a little weird in my head. But no, well, I, you I, you were gracious enough to give me a little sneak preview into into the book, and uh, I, the way that you've mapped that out, I think, makes a lot of sense. And so, for folks tuning in, too, I, I love the progression. Uh, what's What's actually really cool about the resource is whether you're just starting out or whether you've been in the business for a while, there's something valuable there, and I think that. It's enough. There's enough. Uh, the way that you've written it, in terms of like the language, it's very. E it's easy to read, and yet at the same time, there are these like nuggets of inspiration where you're like, "Huh, I, I haven't quite thought about that this this way." And and one one of those like nuggets of inspiration for me was you you. you I think you refer to it as like a growth activation audit, um, which is something that you that you take all of Build Up Bookings clients through. I think at the offset of your uh, of your partnership with them, and I loved I loved that. Term I love that phrasing. It was sort of like a SWOT analysis on steroids, um, from from my uh, my understanding. What what exactly is a growth activation audit, and, and why why is it so important that folks start there as they're thinking a little bit more critically about how to assess the their current marketing operation and how they might want to take that marketing operation to the next level. Yeah, it is a newer thing. So I would say that is an accurate statement, but only over the past few months have we come up with that. And by the way, writing a book is a great exercise if you want to like fix a lot of problems, I think, in your business, at least if you want an agency, <laughs> because you find like, oh, I didn't think about that or, oh, I didn't think about that. You know, you become, we were talking about this, I think a little bit before you hit record, you become very much like, how do I get to the next client and kind of get them on board and then get to the next client, get them on board. But again, by like forcing myself to like go back a little bit, I had to make much more detailed lists. Um, and the, the growth activation audit that you're referencing came from that practice of like, all right, now we've got to turn this down into like more actionable thing of how someone could review what they're doing. And then ultimately 
kind of grade themselves in some respect on what they're doing. So that is a newer thing, but it is, it did kind of spawn from all the ideas and pieces that we kind of put together as we've been writing this. Cause it's been like almost six months at this point. So it's been, it's taken <laughs> a long time. Um, even to write a relatively thin book takes a long time if you're editing ruthlessly and trying to eliminate lots of filler and lots of crap and stuff like that. So, um, I, I joke I, as I've been writing it, maybe it's because of certain apps that I'm visiting or websites that I'm exploring. I get all these ads with like, write a book in a day using like AI. <laughs> and I just like laugh at the idea that someone would actually do that and come up with anything that's decent because I find <laughs> <laughs> trying to come up with something that's kind of yours but is simple to understand it takes like months to figure it out so different yeah. discussion for a different day perhaps but anyways back to the growth activation audit yeah the the goal of that is to take what is kind of a little bit of a time process of like reading a book and thinking about okay what do i need to actually do next and make it a lot more actionable so again it's the same pillars that we talked about before broken into that um, actual document and then there's pieces inside that like you know, on, on the audit checklist, it would ask if you had a direct booking website, which would be perhaps more appropriate for a single property host, maybe a multi-property host. I assume most property managers have their own direct booking website. Yeah. But then the nuance is, is it actually a good direct booking website? That's where the actual review and like thought process comes into play. That's a checkmark question. Do I or do I not have this particular thing done? If it's actually good or not is a more like nuanced discussion that could take an hour to actually pick apart if the direct booking website is good or not. Yeah. So the audit is not a one, you know, size fits all solution necessarily to fixing all your marketing problems but i think it's directed so far it's directly been really helpful to figure out what you might want to look at or what you might need to look at more closely and examine what you have going on and the the I think the useful part for us has been when people say something to the effect of like, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good idea, you yeah. know, as they're going through the audit, because we asked them to fill it out uh, before we do a, you know, a call with them in some respect, uh, the second call. So that's helpful because it's like, ah, good. Like, I want you thinking about these things that maybe you haven't thought about. Not saying that you should do all of them. That's not the goal isn't to be like 100 out of 100 yeah. on the audit. The goal is instead to be like, what's your level of activity and your level of execution in these different areas? And then let's see what you're doing so we can figure out ways to either do that more or better or, or see if we need to even start doing that thing in the first place yeah. which is certainly something we've encountered what what i love about how it's how you unpack this in in the book is when it when it comes to marketing especially if you don't have a background in in marketing and and maybe maybe you're an incredible property manager maybe you've built a great business but you're trying to get you're trying to punch up you're trying to take it to the next level and, and you you haven't really spent time paying too much attention to marketing. It's been a lot of word of mouth and, and whatnot, which you know it, I'd argue is is a, a key a key marketing strategy, right? Is kind of facilitating that that word of mouth and digital word of mouth is 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 a thing and is probably like one of the most impactful uh, strategies today from from my perspective. But if you if you're if you don't have a background in it, or if you haven't spent much time doing it, it can be very overwhelming with where to start, right? Like depending on who you talk to, you've got people that are saying, go all in on TikTok. You've got people that are saying, hey, you should spend all this time on creating Instagram reels. You just talked about your direct booking site. Some people think design on those sites doesn't matter. Other people think it totally matters. And oftentimes the UX and UI of those experiences are are quite lackluster. And then people wonder like why their percentage of direct bookings isn't greater. And, and, and all this is to say is it can be incredibly overwhelming because there's so much noise out there, right? There's an incredible amount of noise. There's lots of strong opinions when it comes to growing an audience, when it comes to growing traffic, when it comes to increasing leads and obviously increasing bookings. So what I love about this audit is I, I think it helps provide that crawl, walk, run approach, right? Of like, okay, hey, you know, you're this size, you haven't done these things, don't even listen to any other and, and do, stop listening to all the podcasts that you listen to and, and do these three things first 
once you do these three things, then you have some choice in like, okay, when it comes to social, which channel do I want to go deep on, right? Before you go wide, which channel do I want to go deep on? So it again, it's it's one of those things that when you hear it, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But but it's very, very helpful, I think, to to reinforce that. And I think that you guys do a good well, a, a really good job of of explaining how to do that. And and quite frankly, like why it's important. I did I did want to ask a question around general like marketing uh, prowess and, and, and marketing like knowledge in the industry from your perspective. Like how would you grade your your kind of like average, you know, vacation rental managers understanding of marketing today like does the industry need a ton of help are we pretty close are you know can you help just sort of suss out like from your perspective how are we doing like what grade would you give us with respect to our understanding of marketing today i don't know if i would be you know doing a good job if i gave like the industry a grade but i guess i can speak to like the people that we've talked to and you know clients that we've started working with over the years and i do i do find that if you got into it recently who you were inspired by is a heavy influence on what your opinion of, I guess, like the best way to market is going to be. And what I was going to say a moment ago when you were talking about like, should I do channel X or channel Y? Yeah. This is not my thing to be clear. This is a Dan Kennedy thing, kind of one of like the OG, you know, direct marketer guys, but he's like every form of media works if you do enough of it. So like I've, I use this as a kind of an example when I talk to clients, sometimes if we bought every single billboard in the United States of America. And we said, book, you know, my vacation rental at this website or something like that, or we put a phone number on there. It would work. We would get some level of response from that marketing initiative. That's dumb. Like it makes no sense. We have to spend <laughs> so much money to potentially get the amount of return we get. It would make no sense. So the question is not, does channel XYZ work? Hmm. It's how well does it work? That's hmm. the question. So like how much effort do I have to put in to get the outcome that I want? And that's kind of part of what that audit covers as well um, is like seeing what you're doing and then saying, okay, you're spending a lot of time on doing Instagram reels. What's your return on that? What sort of brand awareness is being generated from that? Are you yeah. tracking it? Are you you know, able to, to quantify a little bit better? So that's one piece that I would say there on the first idea of like channels is the wrong maybe question at times it's yeah. like it's all just media it's all just visibility and then it's a question of how well does it work like airbnb works phenomenally well like if you do a good job and you put up a great listing on airbnb you get a lot of um reservations from that yep. you know like most clients that we work with are getting 20 to 50 percent of the reservations from airbnb you can't deny it. that's not a fantastic channel for you to be using yeah. now you also give up a lot you give up a lot of control you give up a lot of you know, the way that you want to do payments, you give up a lot of upsell opportunity, you give up your ability to, to contact the guest directly, yada, 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 we can go on for an hour on that alone. But the point is that it works well, if the goal is just to get people to stay in the property, right? Like, that's a very effective channel for that particular tactic, at least at the time of recording this, Who yeah. knows? all all dynasties fall, right? Eventually, <laughs> there may be a future where Airbnb doesn't do well, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even remember your original question. Well, actually, I so go down that thread. I, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll circle back on that. But I, but this is a great point, right? This is a wonderful segue because a, a follow up question to that then is, how how much time do you spend working with folks on trying to identify the channels that make the most sense for for their portfolio, right? Because to 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 your point, I see a lot of folks who spend a lot of time on Instagram and and creating reels and whatnot, and from you know my my perspective. Their, their their property or their properties are not necessarily like the most conducive to they're, they're not necessarily as aesthetically pleasing as a lot of the competition out there right and so i always wonder wow it must as somebody who you know has dabbled with this myself i'm like it must take these people so much time and so much effort to put into this this channel and i'm not even sure like it's 
I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's working. Like the the competition, I, I know like their competitor down the street who has you know ten to a hundred x their following, way more aesthetically pleasing content, be, and they've invested in that content because it you know it, it works for them. So how do you help sort of your your clients, uh, your partners, sort of suss out like, hey, you know what? Given your portfolio and at least where it's at right now. This is this is not a critique. Like this is not. You don't need to be ashamed of your offering at all. It's just probably not worth your time to spend dozens of hours creating these these Instagram reels when you're going up against you know a Live Oak Lake or you know like an Isaac French property or, or or something like that. Like how do you how do you help people tease that out? And is that is that difficult for you to do? I don't think it's difficult because I think usually the numbers can reveal themselves pretty quickly. We can yeah. look and say, okay, how many people are coming to the website through this platform? How many people are, you know, it's not always clear that they're going to book directly from that platform. Yeah. Right. They may first initially visit through Instagram and then later return via a search on Google. So like Google gets the credit, but it really wasn't how they discovered the platform. I always say this to clients too on this note, you know, whatever the name of the company is, if it was like Zach's awesome cabin rentals, right? No one comes up with that. Like no one woke up today and decided to search for that. If that was yeah. the name of your property management yeah. company, there was some other event that happened before. And then there was, there was that action later on. And what's always hard to figure out, what's basically impossible to figure out from a marketing awareness brand perspective is what was that thing that first caught them? Yeah. But I do think that Instagram is often that spark for people yeah. who have the right property to your point. Now, what, what I, we haven't seen a lot of what you're suggesting where it's like people coming in and they're like, man, I've been trying to do this again and again, and I've spent hours on it and I haven't got the results. Usually it's just that they're not doing much at all. And that's yeah. sometimes what the auto reveals is that they're not really putting a lot of effort in or they're just very OTA dependent yeah. or they're doing you know very little from a direct booking uh, activity perspective. Like, like they send one email every few months or something like that, or they post on Instagram once a week, or they post on Facebook once every other week or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I, but your intuition, I think, is completely correct there, which is that there might be people who are trying to essentially become Instagram models, but they, you know, they don't stand up to the competition on there, I guess, in some respect, whether it's, you know, you're trying to post a bikini picture or a shirtless picture, or you're trying yeah. to get a, someone to be interested in your property. It's kind of the same thing, right? It's eye candy, right? Yeah. And that typically is what does well on a platform like that. And there's some people that I've connected with and followed that are basically designing the property to look nice on Instagram. They're, yep. they're not really thinking necessarily about, it's not that they don't think about the functionality of the property and how people are actually going to enjoy staying in it, but they go, wow, if we did this really off the wall thing, this would get attention. Attention is a currency that I can obtain very inexpensively on Instagram by making lots of video content. Therefore, that's a distribution strategy. And yeah. they're not wrong. Like that's a very valid way to approach it. But to your point, that's often not the bulk of the market, right? For every Live Oak Lake, you mentioned Isaac's brand as an example. There's 500 other vacation rentals in that community that are probably just like single family homes that yeah. also need to be marketed and promoted as well. Yeah. So I think you've got to know what you got. You know, you have to understand what you have and what channel is going to work well for you. And there's a time and a place where I think those channels work phenomenally well. But when I look at our clients like analytics and I see what actually they get the most bookings from, it's usually more search related and yeah. it's a lot less, you know, social related. I think that, that can be a great discovery platform, but it's often not the thing for most people where they're like, oh yes, I, I had to, I saw this property on Instagram and I had to come and reserve it. I think that's reserved or that's only possible for this top 1% type people. It's like, again, trying to become a fitness influencer. The top 1% of, you know, good looking people make it our success in that space. And that's kind of the same, I think, yeah. in the short term rental space as well. I, I've seen some great examples of folks who might have like one or two like very unique stays that are a part of their portfolio. They might have like, you know, 10 to, to, to a dozen kind of average run of the mill sort of cabins, but then they have one or two like really cool unique stays. And that's where they put all their energy 
energy on Instagram, right? It's like they just focus their energy and time on those unique stays. But then what inevitably happens is people, you know, come to their website, they see that this particular stay that they fell in love with on Instagram costs 600 bucks a night. They're like, ah, and it's booked out for six months. So like, forget it. But they're like, oh, well, I still want to go to this area. Oh, cool. This is a cabin. It's nice. You know, and they end up booking that cabin directly, right? That's, you know, a third of the price or whatever it is. And so I, I also think like, a, a totally viable strategy for folks is like it's not it's not bad to design your Instagram strategy around like to your earlier point like the eye candy like the the one or two you know uh, properties hopefully it's you know maybe even a little bit more than that or like I've seen people have a ton of success just focusing on like the location and almost like barely show, showcasing the actual home right which I, I think that there are pros and cons to that strategy you probably know better uh, than me Conrad but. I think that to your point, Instagram can be an incredible channel for discovery. There's a lot of opportunity, but because it is such an is such a visual platform, I'd say unless you have something super visually stimulating to to showcase, I, I think your time and energy is probably better spent building up your SEO, thinking about paid search campaigns, um, you know, uh, working on your direct booking website as opposed to investing tons and tons of time on Instagram. Well, it, it goes back to the whole vertical horizontal conversation from, you know, a little while back where what what maybe someone's trying to do is they're trying to take the vertical focus of like social media or short form video content yeah. and they're trying to take it to the maximum level. And then they're ignoring like other things that they just, if they spend a few weeks on those, they would at least get to like an acceptable level and they probably see better results from other things. Like, yeah. um, you know, what one example, a client that we talked to recently actually had a decent following on Instagram and it was getting traffic coming into their website. They were working with a separate agency on that. And I said, they're doing a great job. Like here's the visibility. Things are working well from that perspective. But then you go search for the name of the company and like you couldn't even find them on Google. <laughs> <laughs> their website wasn't even really indexed like yeah. when they you got to the website like they the there was no branding that was similar between the instagram page and the website so we weren't even sure that you were on the right website when yeah. you got there and i was like well if we just fix like these basic things like you've amassed thirty thousand followers on instagram fantastic let's go back and fix kind of some of these other things yeah and i bet we're just going to get a better output not because what we do is some magic sauce it's really not it's just we're going to better match what the the user or the potential guest is expecting and what yeah. they actually see and then we'll make sure that when people search your brand name on google they find you and they don't find your competition or they don't find your airbnb landing page which yeah. is going to funnel them into a different direction like let's do those basic things well and we're probably going to get a much better outcome so yeah sometimes it's not really magic per se or anything you know massively difficult it's just like pe people i think though are rewarded by doing what they know well so if they're yeah. seeing su success on instagram they want to keep doing that which is a natural thing to want to do yeah and that's fine but you might sometimes need to slow down and work on you know a different thing it's like it's no different than i guess i was thinking of like fitness again because of your last little block there but um you know it's like if you were to only work your biceps and nothing else like you would you look kind of weird right like your body <laughs> wouldn't really be proportionally in, in any sort of shape so you might make more sense to like have a well-rounded you know activity set when it comes to marketing and sometimes that is what we see people over indexing on a single channel this is actually more common amongst our like more legacy vacational managers hmm. is they're over indexed on email they just want to send emails all the time like yeah. we have this huge database list and they honestly i think sometimes they end up just burning the list because they're just sending so many emails out because in their mind that's what activity means like yeah. sending out an email is a way to get more visibility and they don't realize that they're essentially doing at some point damage to the brand because they're just like over indexing on emails and yeah. they have this big list and they oversend. so it's it's not just that channel there's lots of other channels where people can take it a little too far and actually end up causing more harm than good unfortunately yeah yeah it's an interesting segue into this this great sort of like uh, thought experiment that I think that you outline in the book around like, are you an Airbnb or are you a hospitality brand, right? And I think that this is something that uh, a lot of folks who are newer to to the industry too are are trying to uh, establish these like 
the people that I know that have entered the space in the last two years, uh, really, I guess, three years now since since COVID, they, they kind of came out swinging with, we are a hospitality brand, right? Whereas I'd say, you would know better than me, Conrad, but the, you know, people a decade ago and whatnot, I, I, they might have considered themselves a vacation rental business, but but the idea of being like a hospitality brand, I don't I don't know how many people would would identify with something like that. So like what what I want to tease out from you is how do you see you know this difference? And so, some of the conversation that I hear out there is if you're not interested in building a brand, right? You're you're bad, right? Like or if you're OTA exclusive, like. Well, you know, what are you doing? You're, you you must be an idiot, right? And and you know, from my perspective, it's like I'm not convinced that everyone should build a hospitality brand. Um, that said, I think a lot more people could than than do if if they wanted to. So, how do you think about this? And uh, what are what are some you know questions that you'd recommend folks consider as they try to assess out what what the direction is that they want to take for their business? Instead of trying to predict the future, sometimes I tell a story about the past in this scenario. So my dad was an eBay power seller from like 98 or 99, like first when eBay got started up until probably like 2007, 8, 9, somewhere in that range. So almost 10 years as an eBay power seller. And he would do, he like had a specific kind of vertical that he focused on. Uh, His specific thing is guitars, by the way. He's a musician and he likes to play guitars and even more specifically left-handed guitars. So there was this time where he found incredible arbitrage because less than 1% of guitar players are left-handed. So he actually at one point I feel like knew every other power seller on eBay that flipped and sold left-handed guitars. <laughs> and eventually what happened is that the sellers and the buyers of his kind of little niche that he cornered on the internet to some degree just went to a different platform. Like it didn't happen right away. It wasn't like one day eBay dead and then there's other, you know, musician specific sites or even left-handed guitar specific sites that took over. It was kind of more of a slow drip, you know, that kind of led to him and basically it was a side hustle for him. He kind of shut down that business. He doesn't really do that thing anymore. But that was a platform eBay that in that time frame, you would be laughed at if you said, oh, Amazon is going to come kill eBay. Yeah. Like right in that time frame, you were like, Amazon sells books. How is Amazon going to kill the eBay, you know, monster that it is, of course, when they acquired PayPal and all that kind of stuff. And of course, that's kind of exactly what happened, right? Like Amazon has just crushed eBay in every possible metric that you could look at, order value, <laughs> You market cap, blah, 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 go down the list, right? And like, you're younger. Do you know anybody in your age who's like, yeah, found it on eBay? Like, I yeah, still use no. eBay for certain things, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's almost like, it's almost come and gone in some respect, right? And, you know, I'm sure you buy on Amazon all the time. My wife does. There's probably a box sitting out on my front desk or my front porch right now. So... <laughs> That's my story is not yeah. uh, trying to pr- predict what's going to happen with Airbnb or other platforms because I don't know. No one knows and they say they know they're wrong. But I, I do know that it's a platform and platforms have risks of going away. And it's not always like we are going to be able to predict it and then hop off the bus at the perfectly correct time to do it. Yeah. It's more so just going to be like, oh, this other platform happened over here and then people start to go in that direction. Or, you know, I mean, the obvious can occur, right? You could just get kicked off of Airbnb. They yeah. could just ban your account for no reason and your business is essentially toast. So I don't know. Maybe people be Maybe people haven't thought about this for two reasons. If I could point to two, it would be number one, like you said, they've been riding a great wave, right? They were like going in this right direction. They were riding the way, the correct wave and things were going up for the past few years. Now it seems over the past few months that that tide has changed quite a bit. You know, and now the wave is kind of slowing down and there's not a new wave immediately coming from what we can tell. So it's like, hmm, what are the other things that I can do if my Airbnb bookings drive up, dry up and I am not a brand or no one really looks for me specifically and I'm instead just listed on Airbnb. I feel like your only lever to pull, I've talked about this before, the only lever that you can pull is pricing. Well, I can just lower yeah. my prices and then at yeah. some point someone will pay, you know, some 
some price for what I'm offering and then I get can get occupancy back up. That's okay, but like I don't think most people want to be in that situation. I don't think most people in their job would want to be in a situation where they would have to take half the pay that they normally take just yeah. because there's they have no other mechanism or they can't go apply for another job, right? That's kind of the analogy that you could do there as well. So I, I guess at some point you have to want it, like and you have to be willing to make the investment in time, money, and both, to be honest with you, to like create at least some level of brand awareness about your company and talk about it. There are people I've talked to who over-index on it, and I think they almost do it to the detriment of their company. They mm. overly focus on direct, and they don't put, you know, don't take the easy layups that are Airbnb bookings today. So I'm actually not one of these people that's like crusade against Airbnb. Yeah, I actually think they're a great company in many respects. But yeah, you're ceding a lot of control to them, and I think that ultimately, if you were trying to build a healthy business, you would have. 20%, you know, maybe Airbnb, maybe you'd have 20% uh, direct new guests, maybe you'd have 20, 30% direct past guests or referrals. And then maybe you had other channels kind of in that mix as well, booking.com, yeah. Verbo, go down the list, depending yeah. on your geography. So that's probably the healthy mix, but you have to make um, investments to get there. And if you haven't been doing it the last few years, it's probably going to be harder over the next few years because the pace or the competition, et cetera, might have changed drastically since you last thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are all uh, in- incredible thoughts. And I couldn't, couldn't agree with you, with you more there it's ultimately just about having a diverse portfolio right about where people are coming from where traffic is coming from where guests are coming from etc that's no one would argue that that's a healthier mix <laughs> um and, and people people would bet on that right over over 99 of your bookings coming from any one channel regardless of how powerful that that channel is i did want to ask a, a question uh, about building a vacation rental management business right specifically on, on the brand front a lot of folks that i feel like you know get into the space now they they might not have the clout, right? They might not have the the connections or the network to uh, acquire a bunch of uh, owners and, and homes uh, that that they that they can represent in the context of of their portfolio in the context of their their business. What what are some thoughts you have on brands you think people could build when when they're newer to the space? Like let's say again, I'm I I haven't been to VRMA, right? Like I don't know all the big players. I am interested in in doing something a little bit different, and I think I've got I'm young. I've got the chops for it. Or or hey, maybe I want to pivot. Maybe I would. Maybe I spent the last decade in growth marketing, and now I want to go do something totally different and new. And I have a skill set that I think could be really valuable to this community, but I, I don't have the connection. Or I don't I don't have the network. Are there specific niches that you see in the industry that you think a young entrepreneur could come in and and build a successful brand around? And if so, like what are what are those niches? One thing that I feel like I've definitely learned over the past few years, because I ask more of these types of questions now and less of like, what are your title tags doing, which is kind of the early part of my career, <laughs> um, is that it's it's just as much work to market and manage and list and promote a big house from a small for a small property, right? right? Like the work between a $200 ADR property and a $600 ADR property is pretty much identical. Hmm. And yet one, you're much better compensated for it than the other. So if I was giving advice to this fictional person, I would say, you're going to, your inclination is let me pick up the easy ones. Let me pick up the condo owners or the people that are, you know, easier to get in front of where there's yeah. a lot more churn in that low end of the market. I can get 50, you know, homeowners in two years or something like that by managing condos. And that seems appealing, but I think that's only going to set you up for the path where you realize this is a lot of work for not a lot of money. I yeah. wish I just had, you know, 10 or 20, you know, $600 a night homes and less of these cheaper, you know, smaller properties. Yeah. So I think that my, my advice to that person would be, um, you have to put together something that is a win-win on both sides. Like you have to get some value out of it and they have to get some value out of it, but you've got to sell yourself on service and you better hope that there's competition in your market that can't match your level of service on a larger property because that larger property owner, for the most part, 
isn't overly indexed on like their return. Usually. Yeah. Like in many leisure markets, they're like, yes, they want the money obviously from the property to return, you know, money on their investment. But a lot of times they're not overly indexed on it to the point where what I find is a lot of people from the homeowner marketing perspective, Paul and I talk about this a lot on our podcast too. They think that if they just say we're going to earn you more money than the competition, that the person receiving that message is going to believe them, the homeowner. Yeah. And I think because everybody says the same message, it just is not a believable statement. It's like <laughs> if every single diet t- claims you're going to lose 20 pounds, but yet there's like a thousand diets going back to our fitness thread here that we're kind of on yeah um you just don't believe the claims you're just like yeah. ah, maybe maybe not like i don't know someone said to do this someone else said to do this you know how do i find what's actually true it's kind of challenging so if i was in that situation um where i was recommending someone in that situation i would figure out how to get three or five of those high-end homeowners to agree to something that was a win-win on both sides and i would have to prove it to them through unbelievably you know responsive and exemplary service and a better hope that whoever i'm poaching them from does a poor job with that and that yeah. i'm going to over deliver on what they expect and i got to keep the revenue pretty much the same like you can't you know a small drop off you might be able to tolerate and live with especially at first as you figure things out as you get your brand bill as you do more direct um i think they would tolerate a one year maybe year and a half drop off of bookings and revenue to some degree but you better damn well figure out how you're going to get it ahead of where they were before or you're not going to keep that owner long term yeah but you've got to focus on this higher end homes and just out completely out deliver the competition which in some markets is kind of easy and some markets would be incredibly challenging because they built up these huge efficiencies in the market as far as the number of we have a client that we worked with for a long time in hawaii and basically each uh, property manager was only assigned to like 25 homes or so so they had a very high ratio they could call every single property owner if they wanted to every single day like yeah. they had enough bandwidth and their time to do so in their day to do so their yeah. rates were high. They had a high amount of direct bookings because they had this brand that people worked with and stayed with them for many years. So like, good luck trying to outcompete them, right? Like, what are you going to do that's better than them other than maybe charge a lower commission, which yeah. sort of sets a dangerous precedent. So I, I think it's hard depending on your market. In fact, it may be not impossible. I would not use that word, but it may be like you might not want to fish in that pond if you start to poke around that idea and you realize, wow, most of these large property owners are actually super happy with the property manager. Yeah. I think you'd want to fish in more fruitful ponds where it's like, oh, I talked to five property owners in this market and they all don't really like their property manager, but they don't see an alternative. That would be like the the path that I would suggest that person go down. Do you think that there's, last question on on like these entrepreneurial opportunities, and then I, I really want to uh, talk a little bit about these these different um, uh, these different uh, phases that you outline in in the book that I think are, are are really helpful for people to think critically about like what the mar- what their marketing stack should look like or could look like depending on the phase that they're in. But last last quick question here, since we're uh, we're on this track is do you think there's opportunity for folks to build like a brand around being the the treehouse vacation rental management guy or the dome you know uh, vacation rental manager girl or, or something like that like do you think stay type or unique seg- segmenting your the, the properties that you represent based off of property type is a viable strategy? Are you seeing anybody do this with any sort of like meaningful success? Or are there too many factors that that you think something like that would be quite difficult to, to pull off at scale? Yeah, we have a client more on the affiliate side where I think that strategy that you're describing is something they're exploring and that is working well. So if like you had a website and the website showed all the treehouse listings yeah. in the US and then you could pick on a map, okay, I want to stay one near me. Okay, there's one in Asheville a few hours away. I could book it. I could see that being a viable strategy. But as far as like, 
verticalizing like yeah. the, the, management the management of those properties. Yeah. I, I think that's super challenging because essentially if you have two in Asheville, two in, you know, Tennessee, four in Texas, seven in Hawaii, it's yeah. like you're just having to build local teams over and over again. Yeah. In fact, one of our, um, I wouldn't call it a red flag. We don't call it a red flag, but one of our like yellow markers on our kind of process for just, start, just seeing if a client's a good fit or not is how multi-market are they mm. and how big is their team in these markets? So obviously mm. it's not a bad thing if a client's multi-market, it may mean that they've crushed one market and now they're expanding into another. But usually what people do is they jump, I think, way, way too early. It's like they get four listings in a certain market and then I, I don't like this uh, line of thinking. So there are people who believe this and I just go and see it at all. They go, I'm going to diversify. Yeah. I have four in these desert market. Let me go to a mountain market yeah. or I have four in a ski market. <laughs> let me go to a beach market. And I just think that makes no sense at all because you're basically starting over from scratch from all the like annoying operational pieces. And by the way, all the branded marketing pieces, like yeah. your past guest list may have no affinity towards Telluride and Miami. Like those are yeah. two completely different areas. <laughs> like, sure, is there a tiny little overlap of guests that might book both? Maybe, but like the chance of you acquiring them and consistently marketing to them is pretty slim. So yeah. I, I find that you're better off like what was the expression like an inch wide uh mile deep yeah you know that yeah. sort of thinking uh i'm not getting the right point there but yeah basically the idea that like if you're a treehouse manager i think that makes sense if you could maybe regionalize it i could see that working well i think it'd be really challenging from like a management perspective to say like my treehouse operational playbook is successful and i can run it effectively in 25 different locations and i can do that at a better margin than you doing it yourself or you doing it uh, with someone local and kind of figuring out your processes so affiliate i'd be really bullish on that idea yeah. management wise i think that would be incredibly challenging to be honest yeah. with you yeah, yeah, no, I I think that those are all incredibly valid points, and I think if if you were to do it, you'd have to have some some special sauce or or, or some sort of like real deep understanding of the persona that is just obsessed with treehouses in each of these respective markets and know how to acquire that particular audience in some magical sort of like meaningful way. Um, so yeah, very 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 hard to do. Affiliates probably a, a a better option to go there, but I I'm just excited to see sort of these new businesses emerge and pop up because I think that there's there's so much opportunity in this space and it's just it's it's just like a very exciting time. Um, I do want to. I do want to talk a little bit about these phases before before we wrap here, uh, Conrad. And again, we're gonna. We have a plethora of, of uh, conversation that is still to be had around going deep on how to think about the marketing strategy, your marketing strategy for your respective business. But I love how in the book you guys f frame this uh, in different phases and 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 really in different stages of of where people's business might be at. So you guys have the the featherweight phase, the lightweight phase, the middleweight phase. The heavyweight phase and then you have a superweight phase I, I think we can save the superweight phase for for later but could you just give us like a quick little you know one to two minute crash course on on what each of these phases are and and who you guys think fall into these these respective phases depending on the where, where their business might be at yeah, so it kind of goes back to the tier conversation from earlier. We just wanted to give it a fun name in the book to kind of make it a little more accessible to folks. So yeah, inside of the book, we talk about these bands of under 200K in bookings as kind of more of that featherweight. It may be a single property host. Again, it could be a multi-property host or even a property manager, maybe just not a large property manager. And we generally find at that stage, like they don't know who their guest persona or ideal target guest even is. They're just yeah. like accepting bookings. They're not really thinking about it. They probably don't have a direct booking website or if they do, again, to my earlier point, it's not very good. Uh, they might not even have a PMS platform that they're working with or a specific 
specific backend software that's managing their calendar. Um, they might not even have a recognizable and unique brand name. Hmm. Uh, so they don't even know what to call it. It's just like yeah. called like three bedroom condo in XYZ or two bedroom treehouse even in XYZ. So that's kind of in the brand website slash strategy section of our audit. And inside the book, we talk about this, of course, is like, who's the guest persona that you're going after? What's the place that you're going to send them to? What's this thing actually called? What's this property actually called? And um, do you have a PMS platform that's going to help you kind of manage the reservation and manage the booking? So there's like two very, you know, basic examples from from the featherweight section. Yep. As you go up, you know, in category from lightweight and heavyweight and things like that that you highlighted a second ago, we start to kind of go up the go up the ladder a little bit. Let's go back to the branded website section. So once you get up to like maybe that 200k to 500k range, again, probably at that stage you're probably not a single property you know, host. It may be the case. I mentioned earlier, we have a client that does a million dollars with two listings, but that's unbelievably rare. You know, yeah. that's like top, <laughs> top of 1%, you know, as far as listings that get that kind of revenue in my experience. Um, but at that stage, you might consider like, okay, you came up with a name. Are you sure it's clear from a trademark perspective? Like mm. when you're first getting started, maybe you should check on that, but it's like hard. Like you just don't have a lot of resources, but that next stage, when you're making like, you know, half a million dollars a year in gross bookings, you better do like a trademark search. You better have a professionally designed logo and brand asset. I think at first you can get away with something a little bit less expensive, but once you kind of get to that next stage, it's like, I'm going to put this logo on a bunch of you know materials inside my property. I'm going to put this logo on my website. Yeah. What does that logo stand for? What does it mean? How does it communicate the value of the property? I think at that stage, you can consider those types of assets. Um, and then that's more so when... Uh, maybe you should have a one-year plan. Like, all right, I'm doing this. I want to get to this, you know, level by the next stage. How am I going to get there? And we talk about that in the book. Yeah. Um, what sort of metrics are you tracking? So at that stage, you might also want to be tracking. Um, okay, what is my average occupancy by month? You might have at this point some year-over-year data, so you can start to see trends and things like that. And those are things to be considering. So, <clears throat> yeah, as we go up the band here, middleweight is 500k to a million. Heavyweight is one to three million. And then we kind of said this almost as a joke, but heavyweight is like or super heavyweight is three million plus. I, I put a billion as a joke inside <laughs> of the. Uh, inside of the book, because obviously there's very few vacational management companies that you deal with that are, um, you know, over 3 million. And the billion was there almost just as a joke to catch Fakasa or one of these large public companies because <laughs> um, they're playing obviously a completely different game. And, and yeah. typically that's not the client that we're working with anyways. But, you know, the number of people reaching the Vacasa or Sonder level scale, you know, is, it's a totally different thing. They should be thinking a little bit differently. The number of people reaching that less than half of 1% or something like that, companies that actually get to that stage. But that 3 million in a single market stage, I actually find is pretty common. There's probably a vacation rental manager in almost every leisure market out there that is doing three to five to 10. Some of the big markets, there's vacation rental managers that do 40 million to $50 million a year in gross booking revenue. Yeah. Um, and they are, you know, some of the things that we talk about in that super heavyweight section are applicable for them. Like they should be thinking about acquiring other companies. That's actually more efficient sometimes than trying to go grow their brand further. At some point, they almost reach this like level of diminishing returns on their brands. So yeah. they, if they go buy another company, they can grab their email list and then market to them. And that's more effective. So we try to like walk up those bands and that's kind of what it maps to from a revenue perspective. No, I, I think that this is a uh, super, super, super helpful. And for our, for our listeners, what we're going to do in the next episode is unpack different marketing strategies and, and tactics that Conrad recommends you think through depending on which phase you're currently in and also like which phase you, you want to to get to. So I'm really excited because at the uh, at the offset of this conversation, Conrad, you made a comment about like, hey, sometimes folks focus a little too early on SEO, right? And I think that that's a, that's a little hot takey. And so I'm excited to, to hear a little bit more in this next episode of how you, th when you think SEO comes into play, when you think it's, in, when when is it time to actually think critically about social and getting help with social if, if you're not naturally good at it and or if you don't want to do it right so excited to kind of hear your thoughts based off of the clients that you've worked with and seeing when it's appropriate to introduce a, a, a new channel when it's appropriate to to think through a, a, a new subset of strategies and whatnot 
Um, but dude, I am just very thankful for for you and your time and and all the work that you've put into crafting this resource for the industry. I know it's going to be wildly helpful. Again, folks, I got a special look uh, at, at this book uh, already, and um, I guess at the time of this that that you're hearing this, the book the book will be fully live. So in the show notes below, we'll have links to the book. Uh, Conrad has agreed to give you all uh, behind the stage listeners a free version of the digital copy. So we'll be sure that all the information on how to access that digital version is in the show notes below. Uh, Conrad, any any sort of uh, uh, final words for folks before we wrap here? I don't think so. I think that, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously dive more into kind of some of the more specific stuff, but hopefully the book has value. If it does, you know, people, you know, if they check it out or if they get the digital copy and they can leave a review, that'll show it to more people. I guess uh, someone told me to make sure you get reviews. Don't just get people to download it or check it out. So obviously that means a lot, but no, hopefully there's a lot of value that people can exchange here um, in reading it and thinking about it. And um, it took a long time for me to put together, but I, that's not the reason that you should like it. I guess it's more so um, thought process of like six, seven years of trying to figure this stuff out and then finally getting to a stage where I feel like, you know, all right, this, this is the way that I think it makes the most sense. Um, and it's the most applicable long-term. So I hope it's going to make sense long after I hit publish on it. And it's not about what working today and tomorrow, but hopefully like foundational pieces that you're going to build off of for a long time. Wonderful. And and for, for folks tuning into, if you do think that you might need some help with the marketing of, of your own business, I, I have talked to a lot of people on this podcast. I've met a lot of folks in the industry, and I can tell you that Conrad definitely knows his stuff. As a, as a growth marketer uh, by trade myself, I spent a lot of time working with marketers over the last decade. And sometimes uh, sometimes these 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 folks don't really know what they're talking about. Other times they, they really, really do. And, and Conrad's definitely one of those folks uh, in, in the latter camp. So if you do need help with uh with the with the marketing for for your vacation rental business be sure to check out build up bookings we'll have the link to conrad's website in the show notes below as well and then conrad's pretty active on social media he's pretty active in the community as well so i'll be sure to link his social handles his website all that fun stuff but thank you so much for your time man it's been a it's been a pleasure awesome thank you zach Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Boozy Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.